0: If we haven't met before, my name is Ashley, and I'm the senior pastor here at Hope. And we are in week two of a series we're calling Ghost Stories. And it's all about the Holy Ghost stories happening in our lives. And in the Bible, we're looking at different uh, stories of Jesus and people that he encountered and how their lives were never the same. And we're just gathering around the campfire together, and we're sharing these Holy Ghost stories. Uh, we had so much fun roasting marshmallows last week. Did anybody get to do that? Some of you burnt some. I saw that. Uh, you could find me in the foyer watching to make sure the smoke alarms didn't go off. That is a true thing. Um, so we bought these, these fire things, right, on Amazon, and they're rated for indoor safety, so don't worry. But I just wanted to be sure. I mean, we tested them, but I'm like, yeah, it's a long time for just some open flame in the building, and that would not be fun if the alarm went off, and it made me think of some smoke alarm stories I have for you, especially if you're an Enneagram 7, you'll appreciate these fun stories, so these are for you. Um, Last week, my family and I, we were sleeping, and it was like one in the morning, and our smoke alarms just started going off, like not just the battery beep, but like fire beep, and so my husband and I, we jumped out of bed, we're like, what's going on? There's no fire in our room. So we're like running around the house. Where's the fire? There's nothing. So we go to the basement. We're like, is there a fire down here? Nothing. And so, you know, by this point, our smoke alarms are done going off. And we're like, do we just go back to bed? I mean, this seems like there could be a problem. I don't know. So I Googled it. And according to Google, sometimes little bugs can fly in front of your particulate sensor and make it go off. So we're like, maybe that happens. And uh, sometimes if your batteries are low, they just decide maybe to go off like crazy instead of just the warning beep. And so my husband, he changed the batteries. And as he's changing the batteries, this little fruit fly just flies right out of the smoke alarm. I was like, oh, yay, it's not a fire. And it was good, because that night we taught our kids fire safety, because they were both hiding in their beds like, make it stop! And we're like, you should not do that if you hear that alarm. So that was a good learning lesson for us. Another time, uh, the staff and I, we were at Kalahari, a water park, and we're just playing on all the water rides, having some great team building adventures, and the alarm goes off. And it's like, fire, exit now, fire, exit now. And we're like, where is the fire we're surrounded by water so we're looking around and we're like I, is it safe to like go in outside or go in the other part of the building or like should we just stay by this lazy river that's full of water and so the security guards were walking by really calmly like not stressed like there's a fire so we figured we're probably good and, and we went and had lunch and eventually the alarm went off so Those are my smoke alarm stories. We all love a good story. Life is full of them. And today we're looking at a story, a true story about Jesus and it's in John four. If you have your Bible, you can turn there now and if not, we'll put it on the screen for you. John four, verse one. Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed. Although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing. They had posted the score. Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. So the religious people, the Pharisees, they're like, Jesus, your church has more than John's church. Yeah. And they're dividing the people. And so what does Jesus do? He's like, I'm not into that. And he bounces. He's like, all right, I'm leaving this place. Verse 4. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. This isn't actually true. He didn't have to pass through Samaria. He chose to. We're going to see in a minute. He came into Sichar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. Okay, so This was not the shortest route, and this was not the route that Jewish people would normally take. Jesus decides to do something different today. And uh, Bible scholars tell us that it's about a 30 mile trek, which is a little more than a marathon, but he was not running it, he was walking it. And uh, he probably took more than a day to get there. And so he's walking, it's probably 95 degrees outside. He's in the desert. It's noon. He sits down at this spring fed well. It's a well of living water where he's about to teach on living water. I love it. Jesus is so just obvious with his pictures. He's like, hey, here's a vineyard. Let me teach you about vines. Hey, here's a well. Let me teach you about living water. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, our house was on a, the side of a mountain, and so it was actually fed by a spring of living water. And so the power would go out, but the gravity would still feed the water down to the house. And you could go up to the top of the mountain, and you could see it was just a, kind of a big open pit. I don't know how that was sanitary, but that's, that's what our water came from, and it would feed us the living water. Makes me think of that, reminds me of that spring. Verse 7. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. So his disciples, they had gone to McDonald's for lunch, They're like, Jesus, you want anything? He's like, no, I'm going to stay right here at this well. And so this woman comes up at noon, and he talks to her. She's like, wait a second. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Because she's like, I'm a Samaritan woman. A Samaritan (gasps) woman. (gasps) Not be talking to me right now. I don't know if you've realized who I am, but this is weird. She's a Samaritan, so in those days, just like the verse said, Jews would not be caught talking dead to Samaritans. But Jesus, he didn't treat people differently according to their race. Yes, we want to celebrate our cultures and our heritage and the things that make us unique and all the beautiful different highlights of the human race but we are all one race and that's how Jesus sees people and she's also a woman good Jews like Jesus they don't talk to women in those days because what had happened in the beginning men and women were created equally but then in the garden they ate of the fruit and part of the curse was that a woman's husband would rule over her so from the curse of the fall until this time women were second-class citizens. Women were less than. Men did not talk to women who they weren't married to. It's good news for all of humanity because Jesus restores women. You'll see over and over in the Gospels. Come on. He's talking to women so many times when he should be talking to men when he should be talking, you know, to good uh, Jewish scholars. No, 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 he's talking to the women because what he's about to do at the cross is shed his blood for everyone. Come on, in his blood, it covers all the places where we were covered by the curse. And so God's original intent was that, you know, woman was created out of man. She was called a helper. A helper simply means one who has something that you need but you don't have. Woman was created in God's image, so was man. Equal but different. And I love that Jesus restored the role of women because, guys, women have something that you need. Women, men have something that you need. Come on, neither one is marginalized. We want to receive all that God has intended for us. Galatians 3:28 I love this verse. It says there is neither Jew nor Gentile. So there's neither Jew nor Samaritan. That means anybody Gentiles anybody who's not a Jew. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's no races. Neither slave nor free. N- nor is there male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are one. He's the great equalizer. We are one and that's how jesus sees people equally valuable equally children of god equally loved equally died for and this woman she's here at noon this is the hottest part of the day which makes no sense smart people get water early in the morning or at night when it's cool why was she here she was here because she had a past she's here because she's avoiding people she was tired of their ridicule she was tired of their looks. She was tired of being judged. She just wanted to get her water and go home. She had had enough. The best time to avoid people is when no one's at the well. She had every reason to be overlooked at this point. She's a Samaritan, she's a woman, she has a past. And here's Jesus and he sees her as a child of God and he starts talking to her. And she says, how come you're asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? She's painfully aware of their differences, the racism, the sexism, the hurts that she's experienced. Why is this man talking to her? You know I'm a woman. You know I don't look like you. In our humanity, we are painfully aware of our differences. She was so aware. We all have our stories of being excluded because of one reason or another. Whenever I sign up for a pastor's conference, I always check to make sure they're okay with women pastors. There was this one conference in my hometown, they're like, no, 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 we don't believe in women pastors. Discrimination, it still exists. We're going to a conference in a couple weeks in New York City. They do believe in women pastors, so don't feel too bad for me. But the point is, we all have stories of being excluded. I have some friends who are black who have stories of being followed around at Home Depot. You have your stories. Discrimination it still exists. What about our past? Oh, man. People love to bring up your past. But Jesus, he does not. He doesn't discriminate or disqualify. Come on. Here's what he does. So she's like, here's the reasons you shouldn't be talking to me. And here's him, verse 10. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. In the same way, when we're sharing our testimony, our Holy Ghost stories, we can focus on our differences, what divides us, we can focus on hot button issues, politics, news, why we should attack each other, social constructs that aren't in the Bible, but invented by humanity to dominate one another. We could even talk about good things like the fight against sex trafficking, or we could focus on Jesus. He doesn't get distracted by gender. He doesn't get distracted by her sin. He doesn't get distracted by race. He focuses on God's grace, her getting what she doesn't deserve. He gets right to the point because God is generous. I have living water for you that will solve your every thirst. Jesus is the only one who can bring us all together. He transcends all differences. We are one in Christ Jesus. When you're sharing your Holy Ghost story, point one today is focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He always points to Jesus. That's what we get to do. We say, you're worthy of it all. Jesus, we bring him glory. We talk about him. When we could talk about anything else, he's the most important thing. He's the only one who can save people. If you can say one thing to someone, don't let it be about what divides you. Let it be about Jesus. Focusing on anything else excludes people. Even our well-meaning intentions, it excludes people. Be known for what you're for, not what what you're against. Just share Jesus. God is generous. He gave us Jesus. And knowing Jesus gives us the living water of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with. This well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and his livestock, and passed it down to us? Verse 13, Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. So this woman, will back up a second, she was distracted, she's like, you don't even have a bucket, how are you going to get this water? You know, sometimes we get distracted by natural things. She's right, he doesn't have a bucket, but that's not what he's talking about. When you're talking to someone about Jesus, your kids are going to interrupt you a million times. You'll be like, Shh, honey, huh, hold on, say excuse me, we're talking. When you're talking to someone about Jesus, your phone's going to ring. Silence that thing. The enemy hates when we talk about Jesus. So his predictable schemes are to distract and that's what's happening with this woman. Wait a minute, I'm a woman, a Samaritan, I'm a sinner and now you don't have a bucket? She gets hung up and distracted. Don't get distracted by the temporary. Focus on Jesus. He's a solution to the desire for eternity that is within all of us, the living water that we are looking for, the fountains of endless life. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. This is 3.11, I'm sorry. He has planted eternity in the human heart. God planted eternity in our hearts. We all have a longing for eternity we just don't know it sometimes we we think we're longing for other things we think we're thirsty for other things we know something's missing that person is Jesus every person thirsts for God our thirst sometimes it looks like thirst for purpose or thirst for meaning or thirst to matter or thirst to be loved it's all just a thirst for God and when we come to Jesus we receive the living water The Holy Spirit, he lives in us. He fills us to overflowing with himself. He lives in us. He gives us fruits of the spirit. He lives through us. And we have an overflow to give away. Jesus talks about the living water. And the woman, she's like, all right, I'm thirsty for it. Of course she is. We all are next verse verse 15 the woman said sir give me this water so i won't ever get thirsty won't ever have to come back to this well again he said go call your husband and then come back so if you think about women in this society it makes sense that he would say go call your husband because really she shouldn't be talking to him anyway because he's a man go call your husband come back verse 17 i have no husband she said that's nicely put i have no husband You've had five husbands. The man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. So what's going on here? Jesus has a word of knowledge for her from the Holy Spirit. He's like, I have not ever met this woman before, but I know right now, lady, you've had five husbands, and you're living with a guy, you're on your sixth guy right now. He's not saying this to embarrass her. Sometimes we get scared. We think God's going to embarrass us. That's not what he's doing. He's not trying to condemn her. He's trying to show her God exists. How could Jesus know this about her? How could he know what she's been looking for her whole life, love? He wants her to know he sees her situation. He told her to help her believe. He wanted to open her eyes because he loves her. He wants her to be free and whole. He's exposing this wound only to heal it. It's like going to the emergency room and covering up and saying, no, 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 look at my gash. They're like, no, 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 just let me, just let me help you. Her life had been broken, broken relationships, repeated rejection. He's not condemning her. He's got love for her. The word of knowledge Jesus spoke to her caused her to believe and her village to believe. It didn't push her away from God. I love how Jesus didn't talk to other people about her. He's not like, she did this and that. No, no, no. It's just him and her. He's talking to her on a very personal level. He's saying, I know you. I know what you're looking for. The Holy Spirit, he encourages us. Our gifts, they should build up other people. They should not make them feel inadequate or afraid. He's using a gift of the Holy Spirit to tell her that God exists. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will give you an impression about someone, something that He wants you to say to them. If you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. He has gifts available to you. They're available to all of us. Don't ignore His promptings. If you wanna grow in your gifts, Just speak whatever God's saying. Speak it gently. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Say, you know, I think God is saying this. Come to our prayer and worship on Thursdays at 6 p.m., 6 to 7 p.m., the first and third Thursday. This is really a time where, yes, we're worshiping God, but mostly we're listening to God. We're saying, God, speak to us. What do you want to say? We're just here to meet with you. And then we're growing in our gifts. You know, we're speaking in tongues. We're learning to receive pictures from God, to prophesy, to encourage one another. It's a great time to do that. Our prayer team, they give words of knowledge every Sunday to help other people. When I went to my friend Pastor Hannah's church uh, last June, uh, there was a prophet there and they had a word of knowledge for my husband Jay and I. And, you know, they said at the end of church, they're like, if anybody wants to come up and be prayed over, if you need to hear from God, come forward right now. And of course I'm like, yes, please. Anytime someone offers prayer, go for it because you don't know what God has for you. And so, yeah, we got to the front. I got to the front of the room. Jay's like, I'm good, I'm gonna stay in my seat, which is totally fine. I got to the front of the room and the guy looks right at me. He's like, the first word I have is for you and your husband. He's the guy in the green shirt, right? I'm like, yeah, that's him. He's like, you can stay there in your seat but this word is for both of you. And I I have the video of it. I just wanted to share it with you guys to be vulnerable and say, here's an example of something that God has spoken to me. Go ahead.
1: It's almost like I saw you guys sitting in a bumper car and just bumping off of something or bumping into something. And now it's like, I see like this, I don't really care for them, but these like Jeep trucks and you're just plowing through. And I just want to declare over you guys that there is a breakers anointing that rests on both of you. And that you are going to, you have been, but you're going to be breaking some things in your region and in the church. But I also wanted to just declare this over you, uh, that there is personal things in your home. Uh, you guys are good. Please, guys, don't go gossip. I'm not saying they're bad. But it's just, it, there's some things at the home, family, things, life, personal things, that God says this is the season. You're not going to feel like you're in a bumper car bumping off of it or bumping into it and being, you know, like pounded by this thing, going, hit back and forth. Bumper cars aren't fun if you're the only one getting hit. Mm-hmm. It's fun when you hit, but you still just bounce off of the thing. And I feel like you guys have been hitting things hardcore through intercession and through prayer and even through fasting. And you've made decrees and you've made declare declarations over this thing. And I just want to prophesy over to both of you without going into too much detail. But I prophesy that what you're that something like metaphorically speaking is about ready to shift where it's like you're no longer going to be driving a bumper car. You're driving a monster truck. Like you're you're driving one of those enhanced Jeep trucks that I don't like, and you're gonna just plow through. Come on, somebody, you're gonna plow through what you don't like. You're gonna plow through what you don't like, and I believe that that vehicle represents. Uh, v, uh, uh, there's gonna be a shift in approach. There's gonna be a shutdown of the old path and the old way you've been dealing with it, and there's this fresh vision that has come and will come on how to deal with this, and it's going from a bumper car to a Jeep truck, and you're going to drive right through the things that you've been bouncing off of. And I just proclaim and declare that God says that, wow, your proximity and your influence is about ready to increase and grow. The Lord says that you are going to sit with elect city officials and gain favor with them and have amazing, crazy favor with them. God is going to shift their hearts, their principalities over your region. And God is going to shift their hearts by using your hearts to bless them. And God says their rulership over the region is going to shift and things that have been impoverished will improve and become prosperous because of the shift of behavior mindset and perspective of these key people but the lord says that's corporate but this is a personal word as well god says get ready for the beautiful view to enhance and the ugly wall you've been looking at to disintegrate it's almost like real quick last thing. I saw like you, you pulling up the blinds or these blinds being pulled up to reveal your view and your view is a brick wall. God's about ready to cause that to crumble. I see almost like a, a, a coastline like beautiful beach and, 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 and water and this is a season of great scenery says the Lord because the breakers anointing rests on you to bring a breaking in your region But the Spirit of the Lord is breaking some things for you in this season where you're no longer going to feel like you're bouncing off what you're pursuing to destroy. You're going to see a destroying of that thing and a release into what you've been longing for. So, Lord, we bless that in Jesus' name. See, that's what I love about the prophetic. It amplifies the beauty of Jesus and turns our eyes upon him.
0: Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I love that because that person they're just pointing to Jesus they didn't know us and there were so many things in what he were, was saying that were specific to us um, I had been praying for vision you know I'm like God I don't really know how to be a person of vision you know you're gonna have to download a vision to me and uh, part of what he was saying there is some of the things that God did um, for us personally God was healing some trauma things from childhood um, and even the part about out, you know you've been bumped around in this season so last year we went through a leadership transition in march and we did feel like we were in bumper cars except we were the car like please stop bumping into me <laughs> and when i went up for prayer that day i was like oh god i need to hear from you because i feel beat up and it was so cool that that was the word that he had for us so we're like bring on the monster truck right The other piece of it, he talked about our view being a brick wall, and uh, two months later after that, uh, we ended up going to California for our mentorship uh, with Propel Ecclesia and uh, Christine Kane, and so our view was a beautiful beach. I was like, that's so cool, thank you, Jesus. And of course, the breaker's anointing, for me that's the most important thing, we receive that. And it's something that's in the Bible and something that you know we keep saying, Holy Spirit, have your way, we trust you, God. We're excited for what you have for us in the future, come on. And so that's what prophetic words do. That's what words of knowledge do. They, they see who you are and right where you're at and you're like, wow, that human could not know that thing And it's where God speaks to you and encourages you. It will always be encouraging. And I just love the Holy Spirit. He's living water in our lives, just filling us to overflowing. Um, Whenever I've received a word of knowledge, for me, it's been like God said, I know you, I see you, I value you. So if you need prayer today for any reason, at the end of church, come forward, have someone pray over you. It's not the person, it's not the vessel, it's the God of the universe. Come on. Point two today, when you're telling someone your Holy Ghost story, share what God speaks to you. Share what God speaks to you. That's what Jesus was doing. He was talking to this woman. He's like, okay, you've had a lot of husbands here. Because people, we want to be known we love to talk about ourselves we want to be seen our society we have more connections than ever before but most of it's really shallow we just want someone to know us we all have a desire to be known to not be treated as a project but a person with a story who god sees too look at the person next to you now look at the person on the other side you plus these two people that's three people According to a Harvard study, one in three of us, so one of you that you're looking at, you, 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 one in three of us has a need in our lives and no one to meet them. One in three of us, so another one of you, we have hurts to share and no one to listen. And the last one, one in three of us, the other one of you, we have love to give and no one to receive it. We want to be known, we want to belong, we want to be safe, we want someone to notice us, and we want to notice other people. This woman had five husbands, she was on her sixth man, she's looking for a relationship to complete her, to love her, but we know a human could never do that, and Jesus is the seventh man, and in the Bible, the number seven is the number of completion. He's about to fulfill everything that she had been searching for her entire life, come on. And this woman, she's all of us, because we all have that need. We all need Jesus to complete us. When you're sharing your story, ask God to show you what the need is of the person in front of you. It's a need for eternity. It's a need to be loved and completed. But look what Jesus didn't do. He didn't give her parenting advice. That's not what she needed. He didn't give her a financial handout, like, here, you need some money. No, no, no. She needed heart healing. Verse 19, let's look at it together. So he says this about her, and here's how she responds. Oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? So what she's doing here, she's starting to get religious. She's like, oh, I didn't know you were a man of God. I should change how I talk. Talk about where to worship. Yeah, that'll be impressive. Sometimes people say this to me, oh, you're a pastor. Let me ask you all my Bible questions. Or you're a pastor, and they're like, don't talk to me. <laughs> oh, you're a pastor. When Mary and I went to that vineyard a few months ago to interview someone there, one of the people we were talking to, you know, we, we said our purpose because we wanted to be honest and truthful in who we are. And as soon as I said I was a pastor, they changed everything that they were saying. And honestly, it ruined it because they got so religious. And we just wanted to talk to them about real things. That's what people do. Maybe they'll say to you, oh, you're a Christian. Let me ask you about the dinosaurs. Right, we don't have to talk about that. We saw that last week. Or they'll just be scared. They'll say, I'm not a religious person. I always say, neither am I. I'm a Jesus person. Here's how Jesus responded. Verse 21, believe me, woman, The time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. He's like, it doesn't matter. You worship guessing in the dark, we Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews, but the time is coming, it has in fact come, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. The time is coming. When you will not worship at a physical place, but from a place of surrender in your heart, you can worship God anywhere. When you will know the one who you worship, you won't get hung up on the place of your worship and these religious rules that you're talking about. He says, God is your father, you'll worship the father. He introduces God to her as father, the most important part of who God is, Abba, father. That she could have a personal relationship with him. He talks over and over in the New Testament. He says, I do what I see my Father doing. I speak what I hear my Father speaking. Over and over, his favorite subject is God the Father. He's your heavenly Father who cares for you. He knows your needs. Abba Father is the name of the God who loves you as much as he loves Jesus. He focuses on the love of the Father because that's what we need the most. Our Holy Ghost stories reveal the relationship that we have with God in a way that goes beyond the written word. So he continues, verse 23. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. Simply and honestly Themselves who come to Him with their five husbands and the, the sixth one they're living with. They don't pretend. They don't clean themselves up. They come to Him. They don't hide anything from Him because He knows it all anyway, simply and honestly. I love so much our kids have been joining us for worship these past couple weeks and learning how to worship. Come on. And our son, Ryder, he's six At home and in the car, you'll catch him worshiping kind of privately. You know, you don't look at him or he'll be like, no, those kind of things. And I said, Ryder, I notice in church you don't really worship like you do other times. I know you love to worship God, so what's the deal? He's like, I'm scared. I'm embarrassed that people will look at me and they'll see my worship. And at first I was like, that will never happen. But then I was like, wait a minute, that's how most adults think. That's actually so perceptive. So I'm like, wow, I'm so sorry that you've been feeling that way. People might see your worship, but your worship is for God. It's just being you before Him. So yeah, they'll see you, but it's not for them. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. Not doing the right things or the spiritual things, just being themselves. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves, in adoration. He wants our true selves before Him. The woman said, verse 25, I don't know about that. So he gives this great answer about like how we're worshiping God from ourselves and not from a place of religion. She's like, yeah, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming. When he arrives, we'll get the whole story. Verse 26, I am he, said Jesus. Some of the original language is echoing back to where God says, I am who I am. I am he, said Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. The first person Jesus ever told he was the Messiah wasn't an influential leader. It wasn't a priest in the synagogue. It wasn't someone from God's special chosen people, the Jews. It wasn't the mayor of a city. It was a Samaritan, sinner, woman. What? Verse 27, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with this kind of woman, see? No one said what they were thinking, but their faces showed it. They're like, oh Jesus, you must be too hot from the sun. I don't know what you're doing, this is bad. Mm, I'm not gonna tell him, Peter, you tell him. They're quiet. Verse 28, the woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see, for themselves. She left her water pot, her means of working, and she was changed. She went off to share her story. She said, come see a man who knows me. Townspeople could have been like, oh, a man who knows you, huh? Mm-hmm. We know the rumors. But they saw that she was changed. Something was different. And whatever happened to her, they're like, I want that for myself. The lady came to the well, she was beaten down, she's unworthy, she's thinking she would always be looked down on, defeated. But she left Jesus with a new image. She saw herself as valuable, redeemed, forgiven. God made a miracle out of her mistakes. Uh, We're gonna skip the next part, but basically the next few verses talk about how the disciples are like, hey, you want some food? Jesus is like, no, my food is to do the work of God. And he says, it's time for the harvest. This is what's most important. And he's encouraging them, go out and harvest. It's ready. When you share your story, you are part of the harvest. You're part of doing what Jesus said to do. It's so important to Jesus, just like last week, to look for what God can do through us during our time on earth, to be about our Father's business. He's working in people's lives beyond us. You know that, right? He's placed people in their journey long before us, people who have helped them along the way, along their journey to knowing God, the most important thing. We can't take credit for anything that he's been doing, but we get to be a part of bringing in the harvest by telling people about Jesus, by telling our story, by saying, I know him. I love the fact that we usually come to church for the first time for the exact right message that we need. When Jay and I started coming in 2017, the message was on pruning. It was the exact message we needed for that season in our life. As a church, we've never talked about sex trafficking before until this last month. We're getting ready for the Walk for Freedom. We had someone come the first day we talked about it who had a history with sex trafficking. Of course, God brought them here that day. Chances are you remember your first message here because it's what God knew you needed in that season. Verse 39 to 42, last part of the story. This is a really cool part. Many of the Samaritans from the village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. He knew all about the things I did. He knew me inside and out. They asked him to stay on, so Jesus stayed for two days. A lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. They said to the woman, we're no longer taking this on your say-so. We've heard it for ourselves and know it for sure. He's the savior of the world. Come on. What impacted her the most was that Jesus knew her. And what impacted all the people around her was that Jesus knew her. And because of her, many people came to know Jesus. She was known, she was seen, she was valuable. In an era when a woman's testimony was not even allowed in the court of law, law, women were not allowed to speak, this woman's testimony counted for a whole village. Jesus encouraged her to proclaim the good news, come on the same thing when he appeared to women first after the resurrection he's restoring our place Jesus provides the good news we just tell the story this is what Jesus has done for me without Jesus we have nothing to say but if we don't speak people have nothing to hear Romans 10, 14 says how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? We're the ones, The Samaritans, they didn't see any miracles, no water into wine, no blind eyes opened. They didn't get a word of knowledge, all of them, just the woman. They simply heard this one person's story about how their life was changed and they all put their faith in Jesus. Just share what God has given you. Focus on Jesus. He's the one who changes our identity and that makes us walk and talk and carry ourselves differently. This woman, she went from being looked down on by the disciples. They're like, whoa, can't believe Jesus is talking to her. She went from being looked down to people listening to her story. Why did they listen to her? Not because of her qualifications. They listened because of what she had with Jesus. She went from searching for love to being loved. And she didn't let her past hold her back. It's the last point, point three. Don't let your past hold you back. The enemy loves for us to believe that we're disqualified. We can't talk about our story because you don't know who I was before Jesus. She wasn't like, I'm not worthy to share. No, 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 Jesus knew what she had done. He chose her to be the first Samaritan who experienced the Father's love. It wasn't about her qualifications. Her mistakes, they didn't stop what God had planned for her life. The enemy can use those mistakes though to stop us from speaking if we let him. You need to know it doesn't matter what you've done. You need to let go of the shame of your past. Those things that keep you from speaking, they're not from God if Jesus could redeem this woman, he can redeem all of us. Point one, focus on Jesus. Point two, share what God speaks to you. Words of knowledge. Point three, don't let your past hold you back. If you don't know Jesus, I want to introduce you to him. We're going to close our eyes. We're going to bow our heads. Nobody's looking around. Jesus is the source of eternal life that we're all looking for. He's the source of real life right now he cares about everything that you've ever been through all of it and it doesn't disqualify you from coming to him jesus walked out of his way for this woman and he took a walk for all of us he carried his cross to be crucified for all the places that we fall short he proved that he will walk anywhere to show you his love if you want to believe in jesus
1: We were going to pray a prayer out loud
0: together. Go ahead and pray with me. We say, God, I give you my heart. I trust in you. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that saves me. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that heals me. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that sets me free. I give my life to you. We pray all these things together in Jesus' name, amen.